This is Trevor DeVell, and you're listening to Fangirl Chat. And Emperor Palpatine would like you to join the dark side and keep on listening, because we love you, love you, love you, love you. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa Delgado and Trisha Barr. Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Fangirl Chat. I am here today with a very special guest. I am interviewing Trevor Duvall. He's been on lots of stuff, and you've probably heard him in a lot of places, heard his voice anyway. And some of the most notable stuff for me as a fan is Rocket the Raccoon from the new Guardians of the Galaxy show, Fancy Pants from My Little Pony, and the Emperor Palpatine from Lego Star Wars The Freemaker Adventures. So hi, Trevor. How are you? Very well. Thank you very much for having me on. No problem. It's my pleasure. Uh, I always love interviewing voice actors. Voice actors are the most fun, in my opinion. So. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> so let's just kind of start off for those of our listeners that don't know you. How did you get into voice acting? Um, <clears throat> how did I get into voice acting? So it was a mistake. It was a total mistake. I had no idea that that was a career option. Um, I was an actor since I was a little kid. Like, I started off on stage and stuff. And basically, uh, I moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, back in the late 90s. And I was going out there to become a director and a filmmaker, which I did for a while. And it was very successful and such. But uh, right before I went, a friend of mine and a colleague of mine said, hey, you should do voice work because, you know, I had done voices and accents and stuff since I was a little kid, but mostly it was just for fun and just because it was something silly to do. Uh, and I, like I said, I never thought it was a job. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we said, you should get into that. And so when I got to Vancouver, I got an agent and I said, you know, I do these sort of voices and stuff. And is there anything we can do? And he said, well, you know, it's a very difficult sort of you know, job to get into and blah, blah, blah. But long and the short of it is I made a little demo for him and he listened to it and went, oh, you're just crazy enough to work in this business. And he sent me on an audition and I booked it and I've been working ever since. <laughs> very, very cool. So what was your first voice acting job? My first job was a show that no one ever saw. It was called The Lost Continent. And it was a show about a an island in the middle of the ocean where people from all different eras of Earth's history get trapped and uh, it uh, specifically was about this young guy named Jack who uh, went to the island and kind of got trapped there himself as he was looking to rescue his father, uh, this scientist dude. And I played Jack's right-hand man, a 12th century British knight named Sir Geoffrey de Belvedere. And we recorded 26 episodes back in 2000, and we recorded them in like three months. So it was a crazy whirlwind production process. And then when we finished... They ran out of money, and that was the end of that. Oh, no. <laughs> so I never actually saw my my uh, very first show, which is 
which sucks because, you know, it's my first show and, and, um, and the scripts were great. So, yeah. It sounds cool. And it's, yeah. It sounds like it would have been a really good show. Well, we'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> so, I mean, I've, of course, I took a look at your IMDb, and as all voice actors, there's a lot of video games and stuff like that. Do you, but more TV series than anything, do you prefer TV series to video games? Uh, certainly, it's been the majority of my work is television. Um, video games can be fun. They, they can also be, you know, pretty hard on the voice sometimes, depending on the game. Uh, I've done more video games since I moved to L.A. because there's more games that happen here. Uh, but still, my bread and butter is, is kind of TV stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, they, they, both, they both sort of scratch different itches, you know? Mm-hmm, definitely. And I see, like, I was looking at stuff, and you were involved in a lot of, like, kind of anime stuff, specifically the Gundam stuff. And I watched Gundam Wing when I was a kid, but you weren't in that one. But some of the newer Gundam series, how does something like anime differ from, say, something like Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, uh, I haven't done anime in a number of years, but the fans don't seem to care <laughs> because <laughs> the anime just lives forever, um, which is kind of cool in itself. Uh, anime is a very, very different process. It's a technical process. So because anime is obviously uh, originally in Japanese, we have to replace the words and, and put English words in there, which means that the process of performance is very technical. We have to act within certain visual parameters, which are the mouth flaps, right? So we don't have all the time in the world to get through a line. We need to match what the what the mouth flaps are doing. So it's a very, very different kind of ball game and with a very different set of uh, challenges and rewards. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I haven't done anime since I was back in Vancouver, and even then was there wasn't a lot going on when I was there. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Gundam series was great. I think I did do... Oh, no, I didn't do Gundam Wing. I did Mobile Suit Gundam, and I did Gundam Seed, and Gundam Seed Destiny, and Gundam Double O, <laughs> uh, I think. I think. So that was fun. Uh, you know, I played a character in Gundam Seed and Gundam Seed Destiny by the name of Mula Flaga, who was kind of this Han Solo type. So that was great. And the fans seem to love that and love him. I get a lot of I get a lot of people talking about that when I do conventions and stuff, so that's cool. But uh, yeah, it's a very different situation. For one thing, like we 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 record one at a time, so it's just us in the booth recording all of our lines at once. And ideally, in prelay stuff, which is like Guardians of the Galaxy, ideally they want the cast all together so we can all record it, kind of like a radio show, right? right. Or a radio play. Uh, but that's rare because you know schedules being what they are, especially down here. Uh, that's tough to do. But Guardians certainly makes a concerted effort to try and get all of us in the room at the same time, which is infinitely better uh, in terms of performance because we can, you know, riff off each other and, and uh, it's just a more natural performance in a lot of cases. So um, I guess if I had to prefer, I would say I prefer sort of the prelay stuff just because I get to hang out with my friends. Right? I get to hang would, with my friends. I would say the same thing because I feel like it would be easier acting with other people in the room, especially with voice acting since it's all it's everything in your voice you don't get to see your face right so. uh yeah and it you know it, it like i said it's different challenges certainly but um it's just it i, I think it's probably more satisfying in the moment because you're you're in performance with these people and you know you don't kind of have to wait to see the show to to know that it worked <laughs> whereas right. in anime it's really kind of out of your hands you just 
you just do your performance. You do all of your lines sort of out of context. So you have no idea what the context of the show is because they'll just say, okay, go to your first lines on 183. And the line is, what are we going to do now? And <laughs> you have no idea what just happened. <laughs> yeah, so, you have no concept of the story, really. Yeah, yeah, it's which like, is always funny when fans say to me, well, you know, what did you think about the storyline and episode? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the story is. <laughs> it's kind of like video games. These aren't video games sort of similar to that. You know, you just record line after line and then a bunch of, you know, punch a wall, get hit by something. Yes. Noises. It's, it's, a, it's a very rare day indeed in a video game where you actually get to work with somebody else in the studio. I, by, by and large, you're just going in. Same thing, doing all of your lines kind of out of order, out of context, and it's up to the director to kind of tell you, okay, well, what's happening here is blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You, you've actually played a character in a show that I've never gotten to interview a voice actor who's been in VeggieTales before. I'm oh, yes. And right. I grew up loving VeggieTales and singing all the songs. But what's interesting is I'd grown out of it by the time this particular uh, episode or, you know, short story or whatever aired when you were old man zucchini. And so I don't even know what the character sounds like, but I'm so intrigued that you were a vegetable. Like, <laughs> you have no idea. Because VeggieTales was such a thing of my of my childhood. I, so, I don't really remember that that's a few years ago but i i think old man zucchini was kind of a robert de niro type so i think old man zucchini was sort of one of these kind of guys you know he was sort of talking away and uh you know i don't, I don't remember what the episode was about but i remember there was a lot of this going on so there was that yeah i, I think <laughs> that's i think that's right yeah i'm looking at it it's it's sort of a three little pig story is what it looks like oh that that's it was right. about yeah, that's right. But VeggieTales is so great because it's so, it's so clean. It's very clean. <laughs> but I've never, you know, I've never really thought about the voice actors from VeggieTales before until right well, now. Well, you know, few do. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like, as far as Star Wars is concerned, which of course we have to talk about that, you really started off in Lego Star Wars, the um, the Yoda Chronicles, which I've seen all of them and I have multiples of them on DVD. I don't think of everything. But how did you get into working with the Lego Star Wars folks? That was quite. Uh... A gift, actually. They uh, this was back when I was in Vancouver, and they were going to record the Yoda Chronicles, which was the first of the the first of the Lego Star Wars stuff um, with like you know real voices and stuff like that. They had done they had done one little short for Cartoon Network, The Empire Strikes Out, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Yoda Chronicles came, and they said, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna do this in Vancouver." So uh, uh, they wanted sound alike auditions for all the characters. And <clears throat> so I had auditioned for Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and for the Emperor Palpatine and stuff. But, uh, when I got the call saying, yeah, they, they want you as the emperor. I was, I was stunned because I mean, I grew up with star Wars in the theaters for the first time, man. Like I remember, I remember the very first star Wars in the theaters in the late seventies. And, uh, and just to be, just to be affiliated with the star Wars, like, universe as and as the emperor it was like i i just couldn't like i'm trying to i was trying to imagine going back and telling my you know 10 year old self oh by the way when you're a grown man you'll be playing a version of this guy 
<laughs> it was so bizarre. But the the funniest thing was the Yoda Chronicles was written by Michael Price, who's a Simpsons writer, and he's a huge Star Wars fan himself. And so the show is filled with in jokes, like mm-hmm. insider jokes that only true Star Wars fans are going to get, which I loved. And uh, so when we got to the first session, you know, I, I, I had started off doing a very serious Palpatine, you know, uh, uh, you know, like uh, like full on voice match kind of thing, you know, um, and then we got there and they said, yeah, and now m- make him funny. <laughs> like, what? what? Make him funny. How's that going to work? So, you know. He went from very sort of here to there, sort of, you know, like this guy. And anyway, and somebody said to me, your emperor is kind of like a weird combination of Stewie Griffin and Mark Hamill's Joker. And I thought, yeah, I guess, I guess it is. You know, it's interesting because the emperor that you do for the Yoda Chronicles is also similar to the emperor, the same version from the Freemaker Adventures. Which sort of reminds me of the Emperor from Robot Chicken. So, <laughs> so it's sort of like, you know, did they ask you, when the Freemaker Adventure started, did they ask you to just use the same version that yes. you were using in the Lego Chronicles or the Yoda Yeah, they, they, were, they were big fans of my Emperor from the Yoda Chronicles. And so when they were doing the Freemaker Adventures, they said, oh, well, we got we to gotta get him back. We got <laughs> to get him back in the show. So I was just... I mean, I thought after we did Droid Tales mm-hmm. that that was it. I would never again do The Emperor, and I was very sad because I had had so much fun. He's easily one of my favorite characters ever to play. And then the Freemaker Adventures comes along, and not only are they big fans of him, but they're writing this glorious dialogue for him, and they're writing these awesome, hilarious scenes. And I was just in heaven. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Not only do I get my character back, he's hilarious. So, yeah, it's been it's been great. It's been really, really great. So for the Freemaker Adventures, what is the recording process for that? Like, are you is it similar to Guardians where you're all in the same room or is it more of just one at a time? It sort of depends on on what the schedules are. Again, sort of in an ideal world, they'd have everybody in. But with that show, because of the schedules of the actors, there's no way they can do it. But uh, often I would be in studio with um, some of the people who played some of the other bad guys. Uh, or I would be in studio with, like, maybe Rowan Freemaker, you know, like the little guy who mm-hmm. plays him. And who's who's fantastic, by the way. Uh, just a natural, this kid. Um but, uh, yeah, most of the time it was just me. So I would go in and, you know, because the emperor wasn't like a huge part of each episode. So I'd go in and basically do my my lines and then that would be the end of the day. So, you know, it, it wasn't quite as as cool as doing something like Guardians where you're there with everybody. But on the other hand, it only took me 10 minutes to record an episode. So <laughs> there's, there's that. So the like you were you were commenting on the writing and it, it is great. I actually really love that show. I was so excited for it, and then when it came on, I was over the moon for it. And then when we saw the Emperor for the first time, I could not stop laughing. And <laughs> do you have any lines that were your favorites that you can recall, either from this or from the Yoda Chronicles or Droid Tales or? Um. There was one, and the only reason why this is in my mind, because I saw it not too long ago, it's, I think it was episode three of Yoda Chronicles, where the Emperor, he's still, so it's, 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 he's still sort of going back and forth between 
uh, Chancellor Palpatine and Emperor Palpatine, right, where his head spins around. And he, yep. So there's this one scene where he's he's going to go off to Mustafar to train the Baduans, the little the little bad <laughs> Jedi, and he's he's like thrilled with his evil plan, and so he's leaping through the 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 temple, going towards the ship, singing singing, I am so gonna win, gonna win, the Jedi are gonna lose. And so, you know, singing to the <laughs> Imperial March. And then he leaps in the shuttle, and he's just pl- he's just about to, pl- you know, plot the course. And that's when you hear the record scratch, and he looks, and there's Yoda and Obi-Wan standing right there. And there was just this moment of, where well, he's panicking. He's whoa, <laughs> what are you doing here? And he suddenly has the change on a dime, and... And I'm very critical of my work a lot of the time. I don't really watch it a lot of the time, but I have to tell you, I watched that scene and I laughed out loud. I thought, ah, okay, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's pretty funny. You know, I think the great thing about the Yoda Chronicles and the Freemaker Adventures is it's made some of these Star Wars characters accessible for younger fans. And right. they've been able to relate to them. And then, and a lot of them saw Star Wars the first time through this lens and then they get to go back and see the films. So I think that's really, really cool. So as far as the writing, did you ever get to ad lib anything on the Freemaker adventures or was it just like strictly read this? Uh, Well, I ad lib a lot (laughs) (laughs) with the emperor. I'm always riffing. Now, most of that is just to give the producers and the director a laugh as we're in session. Um, uh, For example, I had done a line which uh, this is, you know, this is I can't remember which episode it was, but there was a line that was very much um, very Donald Trump. It was very, very <laughs> Donald Trump in terms of its in terms. It was something like, you know, I'm the best. I have the best ideas or whatever. And so as we're recording it, you know, I'm going from this and and I'm going to do this plan because I'm the best. OK, believe me, I'm the best emperor. And right away they were just like on the floor so obviously they're not going to use that in the show but (laughs) (laughs) so i like to throw that stuff in there maybe you know one day there'll be an outtake reel who knows that would (laughs) be great well and you know i didn't even realize but you were also akbar that's right the freemaker adventures that's really cool too yeah and all through all through droid tales and everything as well so yeah he was uh he's 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 lots of fun again my akbar sort of (laughs) turns into like a version of Richard Nixon, which, you know, uh, you know, it works. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, and I, we're going to talk about guardians last, but we need it. We have to talk about my little pony because, because okay. it's the best. Uh, it's, and it's been going for so long. I never thought my little pony would get to, what are we on? We're on season six now. I think uh, so. Yeah. It's season six. And, and, uh, all the comics and everything. So how did my little pony happen for you? Um, you know, I'm, I'm still at a loss to explain that show. <laughs> why, why? I mean, it's, it's, it's quality show, but in terms of like the crazy fandom and the bronies and stuff, I, I, I've talked to bronies all over the world and I'm still not exactly sure why that particular show was the one that so captured their, you know, enthusiasm. Um, but for me, what was my first, I think my first character on that show was hoity-toity who was like this fashion designer type and and honestly for the life of me i I can't i can't remember how i think i was just given that role but i I can't quite remember the first character that i really kind of auditioned for and was cast in uh was fancy pants and what they said 
was they wanted kind of this kind of a John Cleese kind of thing. And so, you know, I came in and sort of was doing sort of my John Cleese thing, but I would I would make him a lot more regal, a lot more princely, and you know, doing this sort of thing. And so that became a, a character that showed up. But but I honestly for me my favorite character my favorite character on that show is Iron Will. Because they they uh they said we want this character to be kind of a cross between uh Jesse Ventura and um and you know a little Mr. T thrown in because he's this motivational speaking minotaur. He's and uh and so for me that was, you know, I'd be able to get in there and do that. And Iron Will always talks about himself in the third person. Iron Will is very happy to be here. So that was a tremendous amount of fun to do that guy. And for a guy who really only ever showed up in one episode, he's got a huge fan following. He does, because <laughs> it's Iron Will is the one that Fluttershy goes to learn from to be more assertive, correct? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yes. So so for My Little Pony, did did you record on your own, or did you get to record with... No, that was with the, the majority of the cast, which was really great. And, and Andrea Libman, who plays Fluttershy and... Pinkie Pie. Yeah, she's Pinkie Pie. She's Pinkie Pie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she is one of my favorite people in the world. I just love her. We have such fun together. And uh, so it, it's always, and, you know, or Tabitha, same thing, being in the room with Tabitha St. Germain or Nicole Oliver, all those girls, they're, they're just great. And uh, for me to be able to be in that room, especially these days, because I do go back to Vancouver occasionally to do some episodes of things. And now it's a real treat to go home, you know, sort of back to the family, you know. So, uh, yeah, we they, they try and do My Little Pony as much as possible with as much as the cast in the room as they can. But again, schedules being what they are. Um, I mean, I had done a few episodes a while ago where... Uh, I, I had to fly up and, and basically do, I think I did like three episodes, bang, bang, bang. But it was just me because I was only in town a few hours <laughs> and they needed to get it. So I didn't get a chance to be in the room with anybody, which which is always sad. But, you know, we do our best. Well, you know, because it's interesting with that show because so many of the cast from that show, they, they're multiple people, like a lot yes. of people. I mean, Ashley Bald's list of characters in Tower of the St. Germains are just so long. And I'm reading through it and I'm just like, man, Pegasus 1, Pegasus 2, Pony 1, Pony 2. <laughs> and, you're, yep. and being a fan, I've seen all the episodes multiple times. I think I've watched the whole series all the way through maybe two or three times. So it's just, it's so cool. And I don't think I... I think I knew that they recorded in Canada, and I think that makes sense because, you know, so much of the voice acting cast for that show are, it looks like they're Canada-based for the most part. Yeah. Um, but, so as far as, like, that show goes, as far as, like, directing, for example, is it very similar to the way that, like, Guardians is done, you know, where they have you do multiple versions of things, or is it just... I don't. I don't know. I feel like ponies is almost maybe easier. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I think ponies. by this point, yeah, and, and I think by this point, I mean they they all know their characters so well that there's really very little that a director has to tell them in terms of you know how to play a scene or something. Um, but you know that said, there you know the, the function of the director is still there, um, <clears throat> and certainly when I go in or somebody like me that to, to go in to do a guest star, I don't know the characters as well as everybody else does. So they, you know, the director has to sort of make sure we're all in the same show. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like Iron Will is a great character, and I think 
I think Fancy Pants might be my favorite one, but there's one on here for your character list for My Little Pony that was Fluffy Clouds, but I don't know who Fluffy Clouds is. Fluffy Clouds. It's Boy, you be got a me. Pegasus of some sort it would be my guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I just, I really remember those episodes of with Fancy Pants when he first meets Rarity and all of that stuff where she bumps into him and she has all the bags that she's carrying and he takes her to go and see the Wonder Bolts. That's right. Yeah. So it's, it's just so, I love ponies. You were talking about the fandom. I think, I think when it comes to My Little Pony, I think there's something very innocent and happy and like accepting with ponies which is where mm-hmm. the fandom kind of comes in on that i've have I've never been to a my little pony convention though i really want to go <laughs> yeah it's it's uh well i mean they go on all the time <laughs> i know i've never been to one but one of the coolest because I'm, I'm sure you've done the con scene but one of the coolest ones is at dragon con they do so many crossovers of cosplayers with my little pony and star wars i saw I was- I was just there a couple weeks ago, and yeah, you, the, the things you see there are like, wow, wow. <laughs> why didn't I think of that? Yeah, I think this year at Dragon Con, I saw a picture of a Ray from The Force Awakens, but was a pony version mm-hmm. of Ray. And then there's a group that does like Boba Fett style Mandalorians, but they're all ponies. Right, well, you know, obviously. <laughs> it just makes sense. And- Yes, why not? Why not Mandalorian ponies? So let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. So how did that come about for you as far as getting a chance to be Rocket? Well, um, when I did the audition for Rocket, it was before the trailers for the movie had come out. So I went to the studio and they gave me a sealed envelope and I had to sign an NDA. I wasn't allowed to talk about anything, which is kind of typical when you're talking about Marvel. They're very secretive about stuff. Uh, I knew it was an unnamed Marvel project. (laughs) (laughs) And so I opened the envelope and, uh, you know, there were sides or or, uh, audition materials for all of the major characters. And I read for all of them, but the first one I read just by fluke, because he was sort of the first one on the pile, was Rocket Raccoon. And I had no idea who the Guardians of the Galaxy were, who these people – had I'd never heard of them before. I hadn't seen the trailer for the movie, so I, I knew nothing. And so all it said on the sides was – it said Rocket Raccoon. He's a raccoon. He's angry, and he uses guns. Uh, don't do a New York accent. That was it. That was the sum total of the description. <laughs> and I had no idea why they said that. Uh, I, I would later learn that previous versions of Rocket had sort of been done with a, with a New York accent, uh, but I didn't know. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. And there was literally three lines. I think the first line was, who you call a rodent? Then the next one was, there ain't no thing like me. And then, I don't know, some other... Simple line. As it turns out, these lines were all lines that Bradley Cooper says in the movie, yep. which I would later learn. But uh, at the time, I had no idea, and so I just, I just went with an instinct. He was Rocket Raccoon. He, he was a raccoon. He was angry. He used guns. And who are you calling a rodent? And it just kind of came out this thing. Oh, and he was mad all the time. And so that was it. I did one take, one, and they said, "Okay, great, next." And I read the other. I read for Star-Lord, and I read for Drax, and I read for, you know, all these other people, and 
And then they said, okay, thanks. That's good. And I walked away and I thought, well, I'm, you know, I don't think I embarrassed myself. So, you know, maybe I'll get another audition one day for some other show. But I, I had no idea that I, by total coincidence, had picked a voice in a performance that was exactly what they were thinking. <laughs> so, uh, but it was a total fluke. And so a week later, hilariously enough, I was recording My Little Pony up in Vancouver when I got a, uh, a, a phone call from my agent down here going, well, you're a rocket raccoon. And I went, oh, uh, that's cool. But I had no idea who he was. And then like the next week, the trailers came out and I saw the trailers and I went, oh, oh, that, oh. And then I saw the movie and went, oh, this is, this is big. <laughs> <laughs> so, so but you... it's been, it's been great. I mean, that cast, we bonded real quick. Everybody, uh, it was like a big, it was like a little family, like right out of the gate, basically. Everybody got along so well and everybody sort of found their, their rhythm and their, their, their place with each other right away. So it's a real joy doing that show. Yeah. See, I was going to ask because the way I've heard about the recording for that show is very similar to how Dave Filoni does Star Wars Rebels or did Star Wars The Clone Wars, where the cast is pretty much all together when you're recording and that that environment happens of you know, really having a family. So what was it like when you all first met each other? Had you Did you know some of them beforehand from previous work? Um, we... Uh, the, the first episode had James Arnold Taylor in it. He plays Cosmo and Yondu. And James and I are old friends. He was uh, Johnny on Johnny Test, and I right. was Dookie. And so we had worked together for, for many seasons together on that show, although never in the same room, because when we did that show, I was in Vancouver, and he was patched in on the line from L.A. Um, so it was really cool to have someone I knew in the room. Uh, the rest of them, I knew who Kevin Michael Richardson was, but I, I didn't I – I'd never met him. Uh I, I didn't know who Vanessa was, and then when I did, when I found out, I was like, oh, my God, she's huge. She's she's on everything. Um, <clears throat> and same with Will. I never watched, uh, what was his show, Boy Meets World? Boy I, Meets I didn't, World, and yeah. he, he was in Transformers as a That's voice. right. That's right. So I had no idea who he was. Uh, I had no idea he was this heartthrob you know, TV star as a kid. He was. Uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, I watched that show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I liked him right away. We became very good friends right away because he's a snide prick, and uh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's very fun. He's very, very, very like, – he's one of my favorite people. Um, but Kevin, I knew of him because, of course, I'd heard him in a million things. And when I finally met him and he said, uh, hey, Trev, how you doing? And I kind of I, – I, suddenly something clicked, and I turned to him this first day, and I said – Oh my God, Kevin! You were the voice of Saravok in Baldur's Gate, and he went, "What?" <laughs> I said, the, "The video game Baldur's Gate, like back in 1998. You were the voice." And he said, "Oh yeah, yeah, that was my, that was my first game." I think, "Oh, you remember that?" I'm like, "Dude, you were the best bad guy ever." <laughs> and then I realized it was going all fanboy on him, and I'm like, "But you know, it's cool. It's cool, man. It is cool to work with you, I guess." And uh, <laughs> but, and I don't get. I don't get celebrity starstruck or fanboy. I, I don't really care about any of that stuff. But for some reason, being with him in the room and hearing him talk and remembering that he was voice of Saravok in this video game, which to me was one of the best video games ever made back in those days. Uh, it was just a sudden realization like, oh, I'm working with the real thing here. This is awesome. 
Well, you know, it's funny. I know him from Lilo and Stitch because he was Captain Gantu in Lilo and Stitch. So I recognized him from there. And then he's been in just a bunch of other stuff. And we were just talking about him, so I brought it up. I didn't realize that he was in the 7D and that he was Java from the Freemaker Adventures. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's he's basically on every show that's ever been done. <laughs> yeah. Kevin is out of role on every show. We do a show called uh, F is for Family on Netflix, um, which would be the opposite of VeggieTales. It is not a nice, clean little <laughs> show. But, uh, you know, I was pleased to see it at a table read for, I think, the second episode. Kevin was there, and I was like, hey! But, of course, he was there because he's on everything. You know? He really is on everything. Like, everything. <laughs> I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, Oh, yeah. All of this stuff. <clears throat> so when you guys first went in to record versus now, like, what's it, what's the environment like when y'all are together? Is it you pranking each other and playing around and oh, yeah. all that? Yeah, there's a lot of laughs. There's a lot of um, uh, trying to make each other laugh. There's a lot of, you know, uh, w- w- I feel very comfortable with them and I feel very comfortable with the, with the producers as well. And so... I'm always, you know, again, I'm kind of like screwing around with the lines and I'm, you know, (laughs) making jokes in the line as Rocket that is nowhere on the page and things like this. Um, Just just trying to get everybody uh, to laugh. So it's a very, very fun environment. And and uh, yeah, it's so great to be so relaxed you know, and yet to do a really quality job. We we did an episode of Guardians where where recently where um, Drax has a very big episode and there's a lot of kind of really dramatic moments in it. And, you know, David Sobolov, he, he takes his character very seriously. Uh, and so when he started to do these moments, everybody just sort of backed off and gave him sort of breathing room to really, to really make that, that drama work, uh, which I thought was so cool because, you know, there we are all laughing, joking around, but, but we can, we're still actors and we still recognize what other actor sort of needs support you know what I mean? and so it just mm-hmm. automatically happened and that was that's really great that's a sign of a really solid cast and uh yeah it's a big honor to be to be part of that team so after you saw the movie did you guys start recording after the film came out well i had started to record rocket um before the film came out uh, because i had gone in to do some episodes of Ultimate Spider-Man and Avengers Assemble as oh, Rocket, right. um, which was before we ever did an episode of Guardians of the Galaxy, which was kind of a weird <clears throat> sort of way to start. But um, so I was recording Rocket before the cast was recording uh, Guardians. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think we had recorded like maybe one or two by the time the movie came out. I think if I remember that right. Did did anything change for you after you saw the movie come out as far as, like, trying to maybe match him to his film version or anything? Uh, not really. I mean, they were pretty specific with us. They said, <clears throat> and with me, they said, you know, we're not looking for a Bradley Cooper version. We don't want you to try and do what he did. Just do what you do. Um, they said, basically, you know, we'll we'll make it close enough to the movie that you don't have to worry about that. And sure enough, they did like our series starts right at, you know, right. it basically it does <clears throat> picks up where the movie leaves off. And in fact, their, their outfits look pretty much exactly the same in the first season as, uh, as the outfits did in the movie. And so, yeah, we were never, we were never sort of beholden to, to what had happened before. So, um, we were free to make it our own. Well, that's really good. 
That's really yeah. good. Because, you know, when they finally announced the show, and of course, for the, all the Star Wars fans, we found out Vanessa was going to be Gamora, and it was this big, huge thing. My immediate was like, okay, who's going to be Rocket? <laughs> because Rocket was my favorite from the film. And, oh, yeah. And I did notice, like, you know, in watching the show that it was similar but different enough, and I think that that was, that was a good move on their part. Because I think if you just tried to imitate Bradley Cooper, it would be... It'd be weird. <laughs> yeah, and and it would have just it wouldn't have been as fulfilling either because I would have had to have always sort of worked around another actor's choices, and that's never quite as organic and it's never quite as satisfying. And I don't think it it, it uh, makes for as good a product, a uh, end product. Right. And, you know, it's interesting is since the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie is getting I don't even know if they've started filming or not, but that, you know, just to think you guys might have to know stuff about the movie maybe if they're tying them together i don't know if they're really doing that or not but i i don't know but i think from what i've heard james gunn say that their their movie sort of goes off in a totally different direction so they're not beholden to our series so i think that the the second movie will just kind of it'll take only its own It'll take only Mar- the Marvel Cinematic Universe as canon, so I don't think anything that we did in the series is going to affect um, what happens in the in the second film. I, I, but don't take that as gospel. I'm, well, I'm yeah. not 100 percent sure. It's just what I what I suspect. Well, and it's funny you bring up the word canon because I was gonna I was gonna kind of segue into that because we have Lego Star Wars: The Freemaker Adventures is not really canon Star Wars from what right. I understand it to be. Right. Um, which is interesting because the characters in there, there's some we've re- that are new and then there's some that are original. So how did, did they talk to you guys about that at all? About like, you know, this isn't canon or anything? Um, no, they, they just, uh, they never really, you know, broached that subject with us because they didn't really have to. Like we, we basically, we, we, I think just sort of intrinsically understood that the Lego universe is its own sort of, you know, bizarro comedy version yeah. <laughs> of the Star Wars universe. And so we're kind of free to do whatever we want. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, a lot of actors, too, are, are not really up on their Star Wars lore. Together. There's sort of an interesting story to tell. It's in the first couple of episodes of the Yoda Chronicles where uh, there was a couple of smaller characters that needed to be cast sort of in the moment. At one point, my friend Kirby Morrow, who plays Anakin uh, and General Grievous in uh, in uh, the Yoda Chronicles, um, Kirby is not a big Star Wars guy at all. In fact, the night before <laughs> the night before we were going to record, he called me up and he went, "So, uh, do you know anything about this Star Trek thing we're doing tomorrow?" Oh, and I went, my God. "Oh no, no, no!" <laughs> so the next day we're recording, and the director is going to assign him the role of Bib Fortuna, which is. Oh, a- no. Jab is Seneschal, oh, yeah. and and I see Kirby look up, and he's like, "What?" And I could just see him totally blank. And I stood up and I said, "No, that man does not play Bib Fortuna. He doesn't even know who he is. I'm playing him." <laughs> the director went, "Well, we we can't actually pay you for that." I said, "I don't care. This is about money. I know who he is. I'm playing him." And they were like, oh, "Okay, I guess you're him." <laughs> so I, I bullied my way into <laughs> that That's role. Hilarious. It's like, no, you don't have cred. You can't. <laughs> exactly. If you don't even know who this guy is, you can't play him. <laughs> That's great. I love that. That's amazing. Uh, 
So do you, I mean, obviously all of your characters are very important to you, but do you have any that stand out as some of, you know, your absolute favorites and you would go back and play them anytime they asked? Definitely Emperor Palpatine. Uh, any any day, any show, any incarnation, <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd go back to play him in a heartbeat. Um, Rocket has been a fantastic character, and he is um, just just being part of that show down here in Los Angeles has really opened a lot of doors for me um, because it's a very high profile show, high profile character, and um, people are liking what I'm doing with it. Which you know, those are all good things. Uh, so I think that Rocket has a big future <clears throat> in in some form or another. Um, so that's good. But yeah, definitely the Emperor. I would uh, I'd, I'd you know, any any day, any day they want to do, you know, his own show, his own series, <laughs> whatever <laughs> spinoff. I'm good. That'd you be- know, him him and Darth flying around the galaxy, shooting up rebels or whatever. I'm good. <laughs> well, any day. You know, I think right now, most of us that are fans of the Freemaker Adventures, we're just hoping that there's another season because they haven't said anything yet. And so we're just like, oh, is there going to be another season or not? And it was such a good show. And I feel I push it on everybody. I'm like, you need to watch this. You need to watch this because I feel like so many people didn't take it seriously. And I'm like, you don't understand what you're missing because it was just so <laughs> wonderful. Um, so before we wrap up here, since you've been a Star Wars fan since the beginning of time is what I like to say, uh, <laughs> because I've been a Star Wars fan since I was born and I'm a I'm a prequel kid because those were my first Star Wars films in the theater did you enjoy The Force Awakens? Um, I enjoyed Force Awakens because it felt like the first movie. I, and I, you know, there's been a lot of criticism about that very thing, but it felt familiar. And it felt, I felt like I did when I first saw Star Wars. Um, and that was good because I didn't get those feelings from the prequels. And that's okay because, you know, uh, <clears throat> one writer, Stephen Melching, uh, very talented guy, and we were talking one day about the prequels, and he said, "You know, say what you will about the prequels, but at least George did not rehash old stuff. He tried to create something totally new." And I thought, you know what? I've never actually looked at it that way before, but he's right. You know, nothing in the prequels was trying to just recreate Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, <clears throat> and so you know th- that was um, that was a, a strength of them. But uh, yeah, Force Awakens, I, I really did enjoy. I, I saw it a couple times. Um, uh, to tell you the truth, the one I'm really looking forward to is Rogue One. That's, really? Uh, yeah, that's the one I'm very much looking forward to because um, <clears throat> it, 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 at least at one point, it was a very dark story. And I hope that they haven't taken that away. I know that they were doing some reshoots. But the the that period in Star Wars history, for me, extremely interesting because it's it is, as Obi-Wan said, the dark time. You know, it was the dark time. It was the Empire. It was right when the Empire had just taken over and when they were really solidifying their control. And it's a really, really awesome time to tell a story about, like, this Force 10 from Navarone kind of story. You know, like these this group of rebels trying to, to sneak in. Basically, it, it is very World War II seeming, you know, like the group of... The group of spies trying to, to, you know, infiltrate the Nazis in order to steal the plans. That's that's 
what that feels like to mm-hmm. me. So, so I'm, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm excited for Rogue One also. I'm, I'm one of those people I stay away from anything until Disney Star Wars releases it to me. So I only watch the official trailers and I avoid the internet like a plague. Me like too. anything that's like hashtag Rogue One, I'm <clears> like, <throat> nope, not reading it, not reading yep. it. And I'm the exact same way. But I'm really excited about them having another female lead i think that's really awesome and then the diversity of the cast is really awesome and everything we've seen just looks so cool so i'm very excited for that and um do you what's your favorite star wars movie oh empire strikes back i figured you'd say yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 not even a question (laughs) that's that seems i'm i'm return of the jedi but again i'm you know, I watched those films when I was little, as a little kid, and of course the Ewoks were. I was like, "Bear, bear!" <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's funny because a lot of people my of my generation hate the Ewoks, but that's because I think they know that they were supposed to be Wookies. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, right. I, honestly, I never had a problem with the Ewoks. Uh, I, I'm fine with them. Um, you know, you could start to criticize Star Wars on all kinds of levels, but why? Yeah, why do it? <laughs> why? Exactly. Well, you know, the funny thing about Ewoks is that I almost feel like they're more vicious than Wookiees because they were going to eat people. That is I'm true. We forget that. that I, know. I think everybody just glosses over the fact that they were getting them ready to cook them and eat them. <laughs> That's right. They're, they're not nice. That's right. Well, it was a pleasure to have you. And is there anything coming up that you want to plug so people go and look for it? Or where p- can people find you online? Uh, well, I have a Twitter handle, at Trevor DeVal. Um, <clears throat> I have a website, TrevorDeVal.com. Uh, I'm trying to be more active on the whole social media thing, but I'm, I'm really terrible at it. <laughs> I don't know what to say on Twitter other than hi everybody. It's like what am I supposed to? I don't really, you know. Uh, so I'm I'm trying to get better at it. You know, I try and post pictures of the stuff, but uh, stuff from the inside of the booth. But um, people, yeah, no, I pro- yeah, yeah. So I've so I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so do you in so right now all we have out there for you is Guardians of the Galaxy, correct? Um. Yes, uh, F is for Family is still out there. Oh, yes, which on is, Netflix. Uh, yes, on Netflix. Uh, Dino Trucks is another show on Netflix, which I'm pretty proud of, which uh, is uh, is going strong on Netflix. And um, <clears throat> in the video game world, I'm in. Um, oh, I was just in that movie, uh, Final Fantasy fifteen. Is it the Kingsglaive thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, and in the video game world, I'm there's a game called. Oh boy, I always do this. I always forget the name because they give us code names and I always forget what that real name is. But the show, the video game has sort of been announced because they released the trailer at E3 or whatever mm-hmm. and I was I was in it. I'm one of the main guys in it. But I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it. So maybe I won't. Yeah, how about <laughs> I won't. not. But when you can, let me know and then I will plug it for you. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out to be with me. I was going to say us, but Trish is not here, my co-host, to spend some time with us and everything. And uh, we look forward to all the new stuff. And fingers crossed for season two of Lego Star Wars, the Freemaker Adventure. All right. Fingers crossed. All right. Thank you. Fingers crossed.
Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Fangirl Chat. Stay with us all through January and February as we cover movies like La La Land, Hidden Figures, and Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. If you'd like to get in touch with us in between shows, you can email us, contact at fangirlsgoingrogue.com. You can find us on Facebook or facebook.com slash fangirlsgoingrogue. And on Twitter and Instagram, we are at fggoingrogue. If you want to get in touch with Trisha, she is at fangirlcantina and I, Teresa Delgado, am at Ice Cold Penguin. We hope to hear from you soon about all of the things that you would like to hear us talk about here on Fangirl Chat. So until next time, may the force be with you.